Welcome to Two Girls, One Brew. I'm Christy. Hi, I'm Jamie. And what you're about to listen to is our amazing interview with, with Melissa Myers from The Good Hop. Oh, that was, we had such a great time talking to her, and we hope you enjoy this interview. Hey, Melissa. Hi. Hey. Hi, guys. I'm so glad. How's it going? We have, like, similar glasses. Good. I know. Hey, who is the glasses crew? <laughs> it's always the angle where you're like, okay, you can see my eyeballs. Like, oh, too much reflection. <laughs> so well, tell me all about you guys. We just got really inspired with, you know, what what motivates female brewers especially because even though we started it, um, it's, That's it's, right. it's a pretty male-dominated industry mm-hmm. and we'd rather give vo- voices to the female brewers out there in the world and, and have them speak their story. And, and especially after what happened earlier in the year and, and all the stuff with rat magnet and, and different Mm -hmm. things, we wanted to make sure that everybody, we tried to talk to as many as possible to get it, all the stories out there and let people know, you know, there are some amazing places and all over the country to go to with these amazing female brewers and female brewing business people. I mean, it's yeah. not—it's not just the brewers. It's the—it's the females that are running the places that are getting the people in the door, and for sure, we just want to f- shine the light on that. Making sure we're crediting those people where it's due. I mean, and women get overlooked in so many different types of professions, especially like the beer industry. Absolutely. I mean, I think—I don't know if you guys know any of my history. Um, when I started brewing in '96, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, professionally in '96, and at the time. I, I mean, you know, the internet was there, but not like it is now. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't easy to find people. I mean, I would go find breweries by literally taking the Celebrator Beer News, which was a newspaper, and it had all the list of breweries in every town. And so if I drove around, I'd, I was always in my car and I'd pull up and be like, okay, it's on Main Street. I'll go find Main Street, you know, like whatever. <laughs> and so you didn't really know. I mean, I didn't ever really think there aren't women in the industry because I didn't, it was just so new, right? Mm-hmm. Um. But it became pretty clear to me that there was, eventually I figured out there was about 25 female brewers in the whole country. And that was only by like talking to somebody who'd be like, oh yeah, there's a woman in Wisconsin. Okay, <laughs> there's a woman in Wisconsin. You know, like, I don't know her name, nothing. Like, um, And it, it became pretty clear that I was like, wow, there's just no women in this industry, you know? Mm-hmm. But at the time, the industry was really welcoming to me. I mean, most of the guys I met were like, hell yeah, woman, fuck yeah. You know, like they were yeah. really into it. Um, in fact, Sean... O'Sullivan, who owns 21st Amendment um, Brewing Company. I met him when I moved out here and uh, I had to go over and like pick up kegs or something from him. And I'm like, hey, Melissa, I brew for Magnolia. And he's like, fuck yeah, woman. He's like, I'm so tired of this sausage fest. And I was like, ah! <laughs> yeah, <"Hey, dude>. all right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> nice. so, I mean, and I think you're right. Like it's, it's in all the industries, right? Like we just donated a ton of money to a, an agency called Black Girls Who Code. Because they don't have women who, women don't get to code and do the things that men do in the, you know, over in the computer side of it or in the, mm-hmm. in, in the IT side of it. And it's everywhere. Except that I also think like when I got into brewing, it's not because I didn't think I couldn't do it. I actually thought I could. But nobody sees that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like a girl doesn't grow up going, I'm going to be a brewer because I see all these brewers. They don't see any of that stuff, right? Or like, I'm going to go be a mathematician because... I had a female professor who was a mathematician, yeah. you know, like you just don't see the, the idea Then it might not be that you don't think you can't, you just don't know that you can. Yeah. But you now know? you can be inspirational to those girls now by it growing in industry and be like, maybe they will say, Hey, you know what? That was kind of cool. I want to try yeah. that. So that, yeah, that I mean, I think the, the being more vocal about it, right? Yeah. Like before I was like, yeah, whatever. Like there's women in the industry, it's fine. And then opening this bar and the stuff that ha- came out with rat magnet, like, I'm, I have a lot of opinions, but I've always been like, no, they're my opinions. I don't need to broadcast them. I don't need to talk about them. And now I do, you know, now I need to be like, yeah, be a fucking female who owns a bar, be a female brewer, be a female in you know, black girls who code, do things, be loud about it, mm-hmm. you know? So how to be loud about it. I think one thing that we definitely have noticed in, especially in, in speaking to younger generation brewers, female brewers, and they, I love their, I don't fucking care. I'm doing what I want attitude. I'm like, oh, just keep that. Keep that. It's, it's, 
your energy of your being your young. Keep it, keep it, keep it. And that don't enthusiasm. Lose don't lose it. Don't let them beat you down. Don't let them. <laughs> don't let them. Because you, yeah. even if you if you can't find somewhere, you can you can find your tribe. There are too many of us that that will be supportive. That yeah, mm-hmm. maybe this little area doesn't, but you can go somewhere that there is, and we will build you up so you can go back and kick their ass. Right. Yeah. I actually think that that's like from the rat magnet, like the I say the fallout or whatever it is, you know, from the resistance of the rat magnet and stuff like that. Like, I think that that gave people a, a larger voice, you mm-hmm. know, to be like. Oh, actually, yeah, fuck you. That's not okay. I'm not going to do that. Or also, on, aside from that was, oh, hello, kitty. See? In addition to that was that not only is it about that kind of call out, but also to go seek each other out, right? Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that I was realizing during all the Rat Magnet stuff was that in the first like two or three days that all of that was coming out, right? And like someone's like, Everyone at the bar is like, oh, my God, did you see this? Oh, my God, did you see this? Did you see this? Did you, you know, it was like, whoa, whoa, okay, there's a lot here. Yeah. And what I was gathering was that, I mean, I was doing it. I'm in my bed at two in the morning reading through all the stories, right? We were all reading through all the stories, but we were doing it alone, you know? And I was like, yeah. well, this sucks. Like, uh, these are terrible stories. I don't want to be alone for this, right? So, like, that's when we, at the Good Hop, um, I was like, we need to come together. I mean, it's COVID and you know, <laughs> we're still not indoors in California, but you know, like most of us are probably vaccinated and yeah. we actually just need this. So yeah. we opened our doors um, three days later and had an event where I didn't really know how many people were going to come. You know, we put it up on Facebook and like, like I think 13 people are SVP, but who really does that? Right. <laughs> like everyone's like, yep, I see it. I'll go. For walk. <laughs> yeah. Like it's noted. I might go, I might not. Yeah. Um, and so we ended up having uh, probably about 60 women who showed up oh, and, wow. And it was amazing. Like, and it was, and I was like, I don't know if people are just going to be like sobbing. Are we all going to have like a big, like hold hands and sing Kumbaya? Like, what are we <laughs> going to do? You know? Um, and it was awesome. Like it was, it was all those things. Like you'd see two women in the corner talking and one of them's crying and the other one's hugging them. Or you'd see two women being like, I'm going to fucking dance right now. You know, by the end of the night, I had literally 25 women standing on top of my bar dancing oh, and like awesome. singing at the top of their lungs, you know, like, it was just like, it's what we all needed. Like we needed yeah. to come together and not feel alone. Yeah. It was fucking awesome. I love that. You know? Yeah. And I, I actually, and Melissa, I've been talking to you back and forth, uh, I guess since uh, your conversation starter that I was reading about, because I so wanted to go, but oh, you're yeah. also in California. <laughs> and, I know. Uh, and Florida. You, you were not the only person who was like, are you going to record this? And we were like, uh, I, don't, I think we're gonna have microphones. <laughs> like, okay, you know, like, we're getting our. We're trying to figure it out. Because <laughs> we we are in the state that shall not be named. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <sighs> you are. <laughs> oh man, man. But but just the the inspiration that even just reading about it inspired me. Uh, that the fact that y'all got together and really just called it all out. Not mm-hmm. just the sexism, but the racism and the discrimination against LGBTQ. Right. And I I was like, oh, why can't I get to California? So I hope I hope at some point. <laughs> I I ho- oh, wait, you're from the state that can't be named? Oh, you can't come. Yeah. Oh, you're from Florida. No. You're from Florida, you can't come. Right. Uh, unclean. First. <laughs> unclean. Oh, uh, so I'm I'm hoping what what made that all come together and that was a Temescal? Yeah, so um that part of it. So we, you know, we had the event at the Good Hop. Um mm-hmm. and also so when you say you've been talking to me, you've actually been talking to my wife. Oh <laughs> she, she is the social media side of okay. the Good Hop. Um and she came on for us in the middle of COVID and kind of took it over and I'm this very like, I'm super Tigger and, you know, everything's happy. And she was, I was like, if you take this over, you have to sound like me. <laughs> well, she did a good job. She did it. She did it. Oh, that's she's the, killing it. That's the ultimate sign it. of marriage when you're, when you're, yeah. your spouse can sound just like you. That's right. awesome. Right. So she, I mean, yeah, so she's been killing it, but she also, like I said, like, I've always been like, I have opinions, but you know, I own a bar. Like we're just going to be pretty neutral. And it became clear that we couldn't be neutral. Yeah. And that was a little bit of my decision, but mostly her just pushing me off the cliff. <laughs> She's like, boom, you have an opinion. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. 
and now I'll talk about it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've so, done. Yeah, you've done What's so many speaking. Your- oh, sorry, yeah. you've done so many speaking engagements and everything. You just the ball started rolling for you. Yeah, yeah. I think you know, like, um, I mean, I don't. I think it's not our nature to to talk up like that, right? Like mm-hmm. the rap magnet kind of opened that window. Um, like before that, I don't think I ever would have, we would have gotten on social media and been like, yo, women. Yeah. You know, like we'd be like, yeah, cool. We're women. You know, but, um, I think it opened it up. And so the thing, the starting conversations at Temescal Brewing, so they had had a collab that they were going to do with a brewery that had been called out. Oh, wow. And Sam who owns it is this wonderful, amazing human being. And so he had called that brewery and was like, well, you guys got called out. Like, what are you going to do? Like, how do you feel about it? And they were basically like, meh, who cares? Mm. And Sam was like, okay, that's not really, that doesn't really work for us. Like he's just the sweetest person. And mm-hmm. so he and I had hung out earlier and I had talked about how I was like, ah, oh, collabs. Pfft. Like I used to be a brewer. Collabs are more like, I got to go do all the grunt work that I used to make somebody else do. It's never <laughs> really my decision. Like, it's nice to hang out with people, whatever. I was just bitching about it. So he calls me and he goes, okay, so you know how you said you hate collabs? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, cool. I really want you to do a clap with me. <laughs> I was like, do for reals, man. <laughs> and then he kind of told me about it. And he's like, honestly, he's like the brews in two days. Like they had already had a plan. He's like, it's in two days. It's a West coast IPA. He's like, we can change it a little bit. Um, I know that that's not how you like to do it. And I was like, you know, it's hundred percent not how I like to do it. I don't get to pick the recipe at all, but I was like, why don't we switch this? And we make the collab what we do with the end product. Right. So like, why don't we create, the end product as is what we collab on. And so that's how we came up with starting conversations and how do we, how do we keep this conversation going? Right. You have two weeks of everyone's like, Oh my God, Oh my God. And then people go, well, that was a lot. All right. So what's the next thing we're going to talk about? Mm -hmm. You know, like, um, so the whole point was to try and one, keep the conversation going. Um, but then also to offer, um, to offer people a space to continue those conversations on their own, but then to also offer them help and support. So on those cans that we produced was a QR code that then had like um, a place you could go report something anonymously, um, mental health options, um, HR options. So even if it was like somebody who's at a brewery and it's like, man, we don't have any HR. Like, what do we do about that? Right. Because when all this came out, like little breweries and even me, like a little bar, like I have five employees. I don't have HR. Yeah. I can't afford it. You know, like I am the HR. Like if I do something egregious to one of my employees, who the fuck are they going to go talk to? Yeah. You know, like, which is unfortunate, like that sucks. Yeah. Right. So, and that's very true for a lot of small mom and pop breweries too. So like our whole goal was to kind of like highlight that and be like, yo, HR companies like step up, like figure out a way to do a la carte or figure out a way to do options where, small breweries can pay in like maybe you you pay in a hundred dollars a month but there are options for your employees to go you know ask questions or get help um outside of of the person who may be doing the egregiousness or it's the person's husband right like often in mom and pop breweries often the brewer's male and the female is the wife who probably runs the books and payroll right like so you're gonna go to her and be like yo your husband trapped me in a cold box and did a bunch of terrible things, you know, like, yeah, where yeah, do you yeah. go with that? Right. So like, um, I think that that's the bigger call to me is that where do we find, how do we create the support for that? Yeah. Um, for small breweries who, who also need to have accountability, Yeah, you know? So that was, that was the whole goal of that. Um, we on our panel was, we tried to get a bunch of different people. So, um, we had an HR person there who's actually trying to create that kind of program. Um, we had, we had like a, like a GM from a place. We had a buyer, a beer buyer. We had the owner, um, Ting from Eel Rock, who is, um, part owner. And she was like, look, we're small. She's like, if my husband does something terrible, she's like, not that he would, but if he did, you know, she's like, they're going to come to me. You know, she was like, that's not okay, but we've never been able to afford it. So I think that it opened up a really cool conversation of like, all of this has been not like burn the industry down. It's been, all right, cool let's fix it. Yeah. Right. That's what we do as brewers. We all go, that recipe's pretty good. Beer's pretty good. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to change it. I'm going to tweak it until it's right. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, that's pretty much, I think the base of this entire industry is that we all tweak recipes and change everything, change things until, well, to make it better. Right. So 
we need to do it on the other side too, which is the the, the background side, right? Mm-hmm. All the back end stuff of HR and employees and people, because we're all people. So it's been pretty cool, actually. It's been cool to be on a bunch of panels and talk about it and like kind of hope to spread the message a little bit, you know, and, and get people to start thinking about it in a different kind of way. Like the beer part's great. We all love it, right? Mm-hmm. You guys met at a brewery. Like we oh, all want to yeah. go drink good beer. Yeah. None of us want to go, oh God, is that brewery okay? Like, yeah. You know, like, you know, like well, we have to now, but hopefully we can give everyone resources so that it's good and it's easy for them on the back end side too. Yeah. So, well, one thing that, that flagged it for me, especially is uh, we've been to, we've actually gone to humble C. It's actually one of the favorite breweries of some really good friends of ours. And we, when we go to, when we go to visit them in San Jose, we go there all the time. <laughs> so the fact that, that you had a, a person on your panel, you had you had Danielle from from Humble Sea on there. I was like, "Ooh, hey, I know that brewery." Yeah, well, and we had actually as a good hop, we dropped Humble Sea because they got called out um, on Rat Magnet, um, and I didn't know that she worked at Humble Sea at the time. I thought she still worked at Rare Barrel, and I was like, "Yeah, Danielle's awesome. Bring her in." And then I was like, "Oh shit." Yeah. <laughs> okay, like I need to get more information, right? I mean, the the hard part is, and this happened a little bit for the good hop, is that we became the police and I don't want to be the police. Yeah. Like you guys got to figure out your own shit. Like I literally had breweries coming to me going, okay, um, how do we do this? And I'm like, I don't know. Be better. Like, what do yeah. you want me to say? Right. Mm-hmm. But then it became part of the, like, no, actually they don't know how to be better. That's why they're asking. Right. Yeah. So there became that, like, I really want you to be better on your own, but I guess if you need some guidance then I'm, I guess I'm the one, you know, yeah. like yeah. <laughs> you're coming to me. Yeah. I could say no. And then what you don't improve and you still suck. Like that's not the point, right? The whole point right. is for us all to elevate each other. So um, that actually, it was great that we picked Danielle because um, the good hop had stopped carrying Hubble C. Um, and then they were very concerned that she was on the panel and she was going to get attacked. And so the owners came and talked to me about it. And I was like, well, that's not, that's not really the point of this panel. Um, and they were worried that if they were there, that people were going to say things to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was like, you guys, it's it's not a witch hunt. Like, it's about us all being better people, you yeah. know. So it was interesting to see that. And I actually learned a lot about Humble C is that they've been working on um, the DEI, um, diversity, you know, um, equity and inclusion. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they've been doing it for two, two years, which is way before Rat Magnet, before the fallout of that, right? So, like, I was like, you guys, why didn't you talk about that? Like, when you put up your post about the situation... You didn't talk about that at all, you know, Mm -hmm. like talk about the things you're doing that are good, you know, and I had this huge conversation about how much they've learned about how hard it is to do DEI amongst your employees and how people don't always want to come forward because they're worried and all this stuff. And I was like, you guys, why aren't you talking about that? Like, it's good stuff. You Mm -hmm. know, it's not just about beer. So talk about it. Yeah. I think Um, the more transparent and the more ownership some of these breweries have taken on, yeah, they have done something awful as long as they are moving forward and they're doing something about it. You got to give them credit for what they're doing. The ones that kind of stick their head in the sands and go, well, not me, not me. Then, yes, yeah. those need to be held accountable. But but the fact that some of these businesses are actually willing to make the change and get rid of the people that are the problem or change the behavior, the culture that may have been there, that has to stand for something. That they Absolutely. Have. I mean, I think, you know, we've even... But there's a couple of breweries we brought back in and some people have been like, yo, man, do you not know this part of the story? And I'm like, no, <laughs> why don't you tell me, <laughs> you know, yeah. like they fix this thing, but there's other things or whatever. Right. But I think, and we, there's been a lot of, when we were trying to talk about this, this panel that we did at Temescal, call, like nobody, I don't want to be the police. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the one that people come to me and say that brewery. And then I'm like, yo, you guys suck it. Come on. You know, like nobody wants to be that it's, it's a shitty position to be in. Um, and I think for a little bit, it felt like that's what the good hop had become because we took a stand. Yeah. Um, but I think that, I mean, obviously time, time moves on, right? Like, yeah. Um, I definitely still, people come to us and go, well, I noticed you didn't have so-and-so on the shelf. So I'm not going to have them either. And I'm like, do your own research. You know, you can ask me questions about it, but do your own research. Yeah. So, and everybody has a different level of what counts and what doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, like, I, I can sit down and have a deep conversation with the humble C people and be like, okay, I, 
I think what I think you're worthy or I, you know, like, I think you guys are okay. I'm going to put your beer on my shelves and people are going to see that and they're either going to do it or they're not, or they're Mm. going to ask me a bunch of questions or they're going to listen to me and go, well, I'm going to go talk to them too and find out information. Right. Mm. Like, I think the best part about all of this is that it has, I hope it's opened up a level of communication where people feel that they can ask things and listen and not be dicks. Right. Like it wasn't a witch hunt. I mean, it felt like it a little bit, I think at times, but it's, it's a calling out where it's a calling out for improvement. Yeah. You know, Um, which I think is, if done well, it's a good thing, right? It elevates all of us to a better level of, being nicer to each other. And I think which. I think the ones that have taken advantage of the system and, and have been nefarious about anything, the only th- reason, the main reason they exist is because they were existing in the shadows because nobody would talk about them. Nobody would call them on it. Nobody would hold them accountable. You know what? I'm not going to buy your beer if you keep doing this. And now they know that is an actual consequence. Mm-hmm. Right. That hopefully on the front end, these newer breweries when they're forming from the very beginning, they can form their culture in the right manner that is more inclusive and more about everybody. Come on, it's beer. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. In in the end, it is just beer, right? Like, and I don't mean just to like negate it, but it's not, it's not snobby. It's beer. It originated with hard blue collar workers drinking a cheaper amount of a cheaper alcohol at the end of a, you know, 14 hour workday or whatever it was like, it is what it is. Right. Like, I think that for us to be able to continue the conversations about it, even now, right. Like this all went down in May. And so the fact that we're still talking about it is good. I think the fact that it still pops up here and there. um, I don't know if you guys are, are you guys following the brave, brave noise? um, Yes. That's coming out. It has, I'm, I'm, it has not gotten as much traction as I, as like, um, Black is Beautiful got huge traction across yeah. the whole country. Um, Brave Noise is asking, I think they're asking for a lot behind it, right? Co- per, like public codes of conduct, mm-hmm. um, which is great. I think that's, I think it's phenomenal, but I think that there's definitely breweries that are like, whoa, <laughs> like, okay, that's a lot. <laughs> like, we don't even have that yet. Like a lot of breweries don't have a code of conduct. Bars don't have code of conduct. Right. Um, and so I, it's definitely, I think something that is, um, it digs a little bit deeper and it's a good thing. You know, I, I, I hope to see it across the country a little bit stronger. Um, and I think it'll get some traction as we go. Like also change, change takes time. Right. Yeah. So modern times got called out. They have a tasting room four blocks from the good hop. Those, all of those employees walked out and they walked out for an entire week until yeah. modern times proved that they were going to change. And then when they put out their statements, all those guys went back to work and I would, you know, like a month later, I'm like, how's it going? And they're like, well, uh, it seems like it's dying a little bit, but we're still asking them questions. And, and even like two and a half months later, modern times, as far as I know, on their own posted, we are working on a code of conduct, blah, blah, blah. You know, like yeah, nobody else, no, like it had died. People were not really following it and they're still working on it. And I'm like, that's how it should be. Right. Change takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. It doesn't happen in a week. You're going to change your whole background, your whole culture of your company. It's going to take some time. You yeah, know? And at least they're transparent about it and following up and saying, look, we're not, we're not perfect. We're not done yet. Right. Yeah. Right. Like this, we're not going to rush in and be like, okay, we're good. We heard you. We're done. Everybody got fired. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> oh, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> I love, so. I love the, the whole beginning of, of whenever that really started getting traction the the colla- the brews of like a black is beautiful and for the hospitality industry there was another beer uh, altogether and also the uh, things we don't say the mental awareness beer those kind of things I think that that is one of the greatest tools especially one it's drinkable and delicious and two <laughs> I like I like flavor with my cause and that is I think one of the best uses of the power of what breweries are so good at to be able to put a message behind it that you're not just holding a can, you're holding a message. And I'm, I'm so happy that they're doing that. Yeah. I mean, I think like, first of all, that tagline, I like flavor with my cause is phenomenal. You should TM that <laughs> now and spread it. Cause it's awesome. Um, but yeah, like that was, so that was part of the, um, 
the um, conversation starter, right? We put that QR code on there. Um, and part of that was like, you could have anybody, if you're just sitting there at a bar and you're, you know, you're looking at the can, you're fucking around with it. You're looking at the label. You, everybody reads everything. Right. And then you're like this QR code. Well, what's that? Right. And so um, one of the things, so we worked with brave noise at the very beginning and like a bunch of people jumped on that, that program. Um, and I, I had wanted it to be more of like that kind of thing, the QR code. Like if you're sitting at the bar or even if you're like, you're the woman on the canning line, right? And something has not gone right at that brewery. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you literally have this resource in your hand. You have this QR code that you can be like, <laughs> thank you, right? Like the brewery gave it to them anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think that you're right. Like breweries have a far reach, you know, like my tiny bar has a farther reach than I ever thought it would. And I think that that's part of the, you know, amplifying your voice right like mm -hmm. getting the information out there whether you're the brewery or you're a tiny bar or you're you know you're a podcaster that all of us can come together on this and in, 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 even if it's in pockets right like mm -hmm. we do the black is beautiful and it got huge reach the brave noise might not get as much reach you know the the one that was in the restaurant industry maybe fewer a little less reach but that we if we just keep doing it it still mm -hmm. gets spread I just think that we have to keep at it <laughs> and i think i think partly what also helps is just talking it up and and really introducing it to everybody. I we were kind of late to the um things we're not saying, but now we seek it out and it's it's and we talk about it. That's I think that's part of it is just the all all of us talk about all the beers we try and everything like that. We put it on our untapped. We talked about it here and there. That's we're like the homegrown network of of uh, converted talking about conversations about things and they start with just a beer, but they end with something so much bigger. Yeah. And I, you know, I think like, I mean, you know, we just were coming out of COVID and as a bar, like I opened a bar for that reason, right? You sit down at a bar next to a stranger and maybe you have an amazing conversation with them and at the end of the night. You're like, damn, that was fucking cool. Or maybe you're like, dude, that fucker was weird. I'm going to go over here. Like whatever. Right. Like, <laughs> but it is, it is why people go to bars. It's why you go to a brewery or a tap room because you're like, you're a social person who's going to roll the dice and see who, you know, most people don't go and sit here and drink a beer. Most people are like, dude, what are you drinking? Or how's mm -hmm. that? Right. It starts with a beer. Oh, this red ale is really cool. Really, man. I'm not really into red ale. Sell me on it. Right. <laughs> or whatever. Right. Like, I think that you're right. It starts with a beer. It's always started with a beer, mm -hmm. whether it's that you make a lifelong friend or you have an interesting experience or you have an experience that gives you a great story for later, yeah. you know, and that now it's shifted a little bit. And during COVID, we couldn't do that, yeah. right? Like you couldn't go to bars. Everybody drank at home. You got beer shipped to your house from a, direct from a brewery. Um, and I think that, you know, with, with the, with the reckoning of rap magnet, and not having bars like that was like the push. Like that's why we had our event at the good hop. And we're actually now different, different breweries and bars have taken it on in the Bay area. And we're on our fourth meeting um, at the end of this month. So I think it's, it's something where we all really won miss bars because it was COVID. Yeah. And then you have this huge topic, right. That you can't talk about, like we couldn't usually my bar is packed during an election because we all need to sit and talk about it or talk about how terrible it's going to be or, how awesome it's going to be, right? Like we all live through giant changes in society together. If you're a bar person, you live through it at a bar where you mm -hmm. experience that experience with a lot of strangers, you know? And so we didn't get to do that during COVID. And I think that the rap magnet thing had that come out when we were fully allowed to go to bars hundred mm percent. -hmm. I can't even imagine how, how much bigger that would have been than it is already. And yeah. it's already huge, you know? Yeah. So speaking of history, I want to go back to when you first started in the industry. So since 1996, I did a little bit of research and noticed that you uh, attended, attended a business planning class and um, you estimated $1.5 million to start your business. Tell us a little <laughs> bit more about that, how you got started and, and what made you, like what brought you to California and how, tell us all about the history. Yeah. So I started brewing in 96 in Philly. Okay. Um, it was, I was straight out of college. I was a social worker. I had a nine to five job as a social worker. I had an immense amount of college debt. Shocking. Um, I had three part-time jobs outside of my nine to five job and I needed a fourth job to pay off my student loans. And so I just went to this brew on premise where you made beer there. It sat there for two weeks and from when you came back, you bottled it, you took it home. 
And I went in, the guy told me the whole thing. I'm like, dude, this is really cool. Like, I don't know. This is great. And he's like, do you want to do it? And I was like, I can't afford it. I'm actually looking for a job. And he was like, I'm hiring. And I was like, dude, I don't know shit about beer. I just got out of college. Like I drink Rolling Rock and Bud Light. Like it's all I can afford, you know? (laughs) And he was like, I'll teach you anything you want. Like I'll teach you, but you have to pay attention. And I was like, okay. Like I'm not even a home brewer, nothing, nothing at all. I just really like to drink a lot of beer. (laughs) So (laughs) I started working with this guy and he was amazing. Like he was never like, go do that. He'd be like, okay, I need you to go do this because this is what's happening. Like the CO2 is coming out of the tank. It's going into the bucket. The bucket is overflowing. That's what you're seeing. You need to go clean it up. Like he was amazing. And I just followed him around like a puppy dog. Um, And then at one point he was like, I'm leaving and I think you should take over. I'm going to go down and tell them that if that's what you want to do. He's like, but you should think about it because you have like this full-time job that is your college. I was like, I'm in. And he's like, (laughs) is your college degree? And I'm like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. I'd rather do this. I I can't save, I can't save the foster kids in Philadelphia because Jesus, it's a lot. Um, And I was in, right? So I started brewing for them. um, And then they overextended and literally shut down over Christmas and I was like, fuck, I'm hooked. <laughs> this is really <laughs> awesome. I got to go find a brewing job. And so everything I knew about brewing at the time, which was not a lot, was that everything was happening in California and I was in Philly. So I drove, I was like, I'm going to California. That's where I'm going. That's where everything is, the cutting edge of everything in brewing. And my mother lives in Colorado. So I went to Colorado, I hit 42 breweries and I saw not a single woman, mm-hmm. not a single woman. I might see uh, a female bartender. I saw a secretary at one of the breweries and that was it. So I get to Denver and I go to this brewery and everyone's like, Oh yeah. Do you know Deb over at rolling uh, over at rock bottom? And I was like, no, who's Deb. And they were like, Oh, she's the brewmaster over there. And I was like, "Get out! I gotta go see her. So I go over there and I'm like, Hey, is Deb here? And they're like, no, are you here for the job? And I was like, yeah, what is it? what is it? And they're like, she's looking for an assistant brewer. And I was like, Oh, I'm definitely here for that. So I apply for the job. I mean, I don't know. Like I thought she was going to hug me. Like I'm like a female brewer. Right. Like, (laughs) um, so I interview with her. She's like, I'll get back to you within 10 days. It was like two weeks. And I was like, man, I'm going to California. Like if you don't hire me, I'm out. So I left, I drove to California and I get there. It's before cell phones. So I call my mom from a payphone, and I'm like, mom, I made it to California. And she's like, you should listen to this voicemail. And it's Deb. And she's like, I'm offering the job. I need you to be here in 24 hours. And I was like, oh, oh God. <laughs> like, it takes 21 hours to get here. Are you kidding me? So I called her and I was like, hey, I totally want the job. I'm standing at the beach in Pacifica on a payphone." And she was like, okay, the job's yours. Do you want it or not? And I was like, I want the job. And she's like, how long is it going to take you to get home? And I was like, 21 hours. She's like, great. I'll see you in 36. And she hung up and I was like, <gasps> Damn. <laughs> so I went back. I went back and I brewed under her and she was amazing. Same thing. Like, um, you know, you can go two routes in brewing industry. You can go through the educational route and like go to school. There's the Siebel Institute, the Davis program. There's a bunch of really awesome programs. And I learned all of mine through like basic apprenticeship, mm-hmm. right? Like just like just soaking it up like a sponge. And and I luckily was under a bunch of amazing brewmasters. So she would teach me equations on the side of sweating tanks like pv equals nrt and i'd be like i don't know what any of those letters stand for (laughs) what are we talking about here you know would you be like pressure and volume and temperature and all this stuff but she would teach it to me like she actually taught it to me um and then she left and it was a corporate company and i was like fuck the shit i'm going to california so i moved out to california um i brewed at magnolia in san francisco i brewed at a brewery that i brewed at pyramid which was like brewing for the mass market um where literally in one day I moved more beer at Pyramid than I moved an entire year at Magnolia, (laughs) which was insane. Um, And then I brewed a a place that doesn't exist and I brewed at Drake's and then I left. I was like, I need to own my own place. I'm tired of working for everybody else. My dad was like, here's $10,000. It's the, you know, the amount that you can give as a family gift. And I was like, sweet, I quit. And then like a week later, I was like, what the fuck? I can't open a brewery for $10,000. What am I thinking? Um, so I kind of like mired around, I hit rock bottom and then I went to this business class and in the business class, the first night they're like, you know, it's like people who want to start online services and all this stuff. And everyone's like, I need a thousand dollars for a computer. I need, you know, $2,000 for a nice monitor and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I need $1.5 million <laughs> for a brewery. And the teacher was like, 
I will talk to you after class. And I was like, damn it, man, it's the first day. <laughs> like, How did I already get here? <laughs> um, and so I talked to him and, you know, it turns out if you don't have any money and you don't own anything, it's really hard to get $1.5 million. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And that was like during the financial crash, like 2008, when mm-hmm. a lot of people I knew who had said they were going to give me money, filed for bankruptcy, lost their homes, like all that stuff. So um, through that class, which is this amazing business center um, class, I thought, like, I'm just going to take this little class. And it was Tuesdays and Thursdays from like six to nine for 14 weeks. Like it was, it was mm-hmm. a college class, basically, that they didn't couch that way. <laughs> um, and in the middle of that class, I basically switched a little bit and thought, I don't really, I don't have any money. I don't totally understand investors. Like, I just don't, I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah. Um, and I had had a bunch of friends who were brewers who lost their breweries because they brought in investors, didn't know what was happening. And then the board, because they put up all the money, voted them off their own island. Right. Yeah. And to me, that was the worst thing. Like, how would I build a brewery and then get voted off my own island? Like, yeah. that sounds yeah. terrible. And so I decided that I would change it. And I, I switched it to I would open this beer bar, learn how to run a business in every way. Right. In every possible way, because it was just me. Um, and then eventually I would open a brewery, but that way, if I'm in the middle of brewing and some guy's like, here's a report, does it look cool? I could be like, no, what's line 13? You know, like mm-hmm. I would be able to understand what was happening. So that switched. And now, and then I opened the good hop and the good hop is me. And it was the bank up until six months ago. And now it's just me. Yay! Um, awesome. So, Congratulations. Thank you. So yeah, so no investors, no business partners. I don't know that that's the best scenario, by the way, I could really use a business partner who I could be like, you go do that. I'm out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, you know, it's, I feel like I've, I've learned, I did what I was, I set it up to do was I could run a business back and forth. You can flash a report at me and I'll know exactly what's happening. Nice. So now the next goal is to open a brewery, right? To take this bar and leverage it. And that was the original goal too, is to leverage it so that I can open my own brewery again. Gotcha. That's my story. That is super. <laughs> I, good story, I, though. That's a good story. That was an amazing story. But the company was called America U Brew or Brew on. It was a brew on premise. So America U Brew was the brew on premise. And then during the day, we flipped all of the kettles. So the kettles only made like one keg of beer. Mm-hmm. Um, so during the day, I would, and we had eight kettle, kettles. So I would flip those kettles three times before we opened to the public. Yeah. And that brewery was called Gravity U Brew. Um, it's long gone. It's a cool concept. <laughs> very, though. very long gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but that was my start, right? And I was like, this is fun. I really like this, like hanging out with people and talking about beer. And I went to a couple of festivals. I actually went to a festival for that brewery, Gravity U Brew. Um, and Sam Calgione from Dogfish Head, it was the very first beer festival he had ever, ever poured at. Oh, wow. And I, I met him and he was like, you know, how does this work? And I was like, oh, that's your table, you're whatever. And at the end, I'm like, how'd it go? And he's like, they took everything. And I was like, what? And he goes, they they took my bottle caps. They took my bottles. They took the box. I just wrote the name of the beer on the side of the box. He goes, there's even my logo on it. And I was like, oh, dude, you're going to go far. <laughs> like, I just remember being like, whoa, no, that never happens to anybody. You know, like, and now it's Stockfish Head, you know? So. Now I, I was reading a, an article. It's a few years old, but I love your philosophy with your staff about not being beer snobs. And the whole thing about, yeah. like, if somebody asks for a bud, it's not, no, we don't have bud. Because <laughs> yeah. well, definitely I've seen that here. But but just seeing it as their opportunity to open somebody's taste buds to something new. I love that. I love that whole concept. And and you said you only have, what, five people on your staff? Yeah. That yeah. is, and you must be, like, all on the same page with everything, just knowing that you're just, all there for that one mission to get everybody into something new. That is so amazing. Absolutely. I mean, I, you know, like I, even when I was like a brewer and I, it was my own brewery and somebody would come in and I worked at Magnolia in San Francisco and it was in the hate. So it's a tourist area. And someone would come in and be like, can I get a Bud Light? And we'd be like, no, okay, let's do this. Like I got some beers for you to try, you know, like it was the whole goal of you just want to introduce people to a cool experience. Yeah. You know, um, introduce them to something different, but also it's all in what you say, right? Like, I'd be like, no, I don't have a Bud Light, but here's this. And you're like, no, I don't have a Bud Light, but this is pretty similar. And actually, this isn't totally similar, but I think you'll like it. And you tell them why. And, you know, it's it's about the conversation, really. Yeah. You know, so 
um, I definitely transferred that over to the, the, the bar. Um, and mostly, you know, I, most of my employees are all giant beer nerds. So they'll, they'll talk to you about beer forever. <laughs> um, just like I will. And my wife, when I first met her, I, I was brewing and she was like, man, she goes, you guys are like Trekkie nerds. She's like, they just wear costumes, but you guys can take any conversation and move it from whatever to beer in like three sentences. She's like, how is that possible? She's like, you just spent three hours talking about beer. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's about right. <laughs> so that's about right. So Melissa, what we like to do, we have some standard, you know, you remember that little like uh, inside the actor's theater or actor's studio where they have those oh, yeah. for whatever French guy questions. So we've come up with our own questions that we ask everybody at the end of an interview. What was the first beer that you personally made? Made? Made. As a brewer, the first one that you did by yourself. Well, so I definitely created a lot of other people's recipes, but I would say that the first one that was my recipe brewed on a large, like not a home brew, not on the brew on premise system, um, was a Scotch ale. (laughs) Um, My favorite. not to be confused with a Scottish ale, which is the lighter version, but a Scotch ale at 9%. Um, big toffee notes. It was like my, like, anytime someone would be like, hey, do you want to make a beer? I'd be like, we're going to make a Scotch ale. <laughs> like, it's so big and toffee notes and, um, you know, comes from a huge history of Brewsters and, um, you know, the beers that were made at home back when the women used to make all the beer anyway, um, because it was so big and heavy and it would last for a long time. And it was great in the winter because it had a high alcohol percentage. Um, and it was, it was like, it was like my beer to die on. Basically I made everybody make it with me. <laughs> so I'm guessing that that is also going to be the answer to the next question. If you were on a desert Island now, give it, you're not stuck there. There will be rescue eventually, but you know, you're going to be there for a few hours. I always like to take it off the lost, you know, thought of, uh, what would be the beer that you would be stuck there? Brand and type. So that changes on a pretty regular basis, right? Depending on what people are making. But I can say across the board, it's a Czech style Pilsner. Um, and currently, well, actually, no, I just got to take all that back. Uh, generally, it's a Czech style Pilsner. Urban Roots makes a killer Czech style Pilsner. Um, and Wondrous Brewing is a new brewery that just opened in the Bay Area. Um, he makes a pretty killer Czech style Pilsner too. Um, so let's just say Pilsner. Well, let's go with Pilsner. Okay. Um, yeah. And I would say from Urban Roots, they do one called Sidework, and it's a Japanese rice lager Pilsner. It's pretty amazing, not overly floral. Um, it's super delicious. And then Wondrous does one called 10 Euros, which is a true uh, Czech style Pilsner. Just super, if you're going to put me on a desert island, it's going to be hot as shit. Like, yeah. I want something light. Something light. Yeah. <laughs> light. I mean, if you're not, if you're not going to come save me in three hours, then yeah, let's go for the 9%, 10%. I'll just knock myself out. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But I'm going to, I'm going to hold in for the rescue. So I'm going to go with the check okay. style pills. <laughs> it will be, there will be a rescue in three hours. Three okay. hour tour, just pills, like the Gilligan. For sure. <laughs> All right. So what are some unique flavors that you're willing to take a chance on in in trying a new beer or that you've been surprised with um i mean i would say so uh, when i started when i brewed at magnolia in the city the owner at the time um dave mclean he was super into english beers so we did a ton of english styles we did bitters and esbs and um milds um and it was it was pretty cool but nobody drank them because <laughs> um, they're English beers, right? And so I, that was like my huge first cut into being in a really small brewery and like having an identity. And then they've all kind of disappeared. And to be honest, I don't know what happened during COVID. I mean, I think people got whole cases, like you could get whole, I don't know about in Florida, but in California, you could get a whole case of beer shipped directly to you from the brewery, but it was all the same beer, right? So you're going to get 24 cans of this IPA. And I think people are like, I love IPAs. And so people just drank shitloads of cases of IPA. And now everyone's like, give a mild. Dude, is that a Bach? <laughs> like all these styles that nobody ever touches are selling like crazy right now. Yeah. And I think people are just like, dude, I can just get one pint of that. That sounds great. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so like, I, it, I mean, it doesn't totally answer your question, but like 
the resurgence of seeing like the off styles coming mm-hmm. back, you know, um, black loggers are, are having a great heyday right now. I mean, they've always been kind of solid, but mm-hmm. um, the fest beers, which always kind of come out, people are like, yeah, I don't know. It's a cover fest final drink it. But people are like, Oh yeah, I'll drink that right now. You know? And um, it, it's great. I, <laughs> my nickname in the industry is multi maven. Like I don't drink IPAs <laughs> at all. Um, oh, me neither. It's not my go-to style. So it's nice to see all these other side styles like getting a resurgence, you know? Um, I mean, I think we can fruit the hell out of anything. I mean, now people put fruit in IPAs. Like mm-hmm. I just brought in a double IPA that's got coconut in it, which I, you know, I mean, it turns out it works. It works. It's just not, it wouldn't be my go-to, you know? So um, I, I think I'm more, I'm definitely an old school brewer slash beer drinker where I want to see, I don't need to see any fruit in my beers. I, I want like a true English style bitter. I want a really nice clean Bach. Like I want it to taste like beer. <laughs> I just want it to taste like beer. <laughs> so would you say uh, one of our last questions is the most overrated beer style in your opinion? Cause now you, I mean, you have a bunch of people buying different <laughs> kinds of beers. What do you feel is the most overrated that everybody's like, I, yeah, I gotta have it because everybody else is drinking it. Oh, by far hazy IPAs. I mean, we all really thought and hoped that would be a trend. Mm -hmm. And I have nine cooler doors of beer. So each cooler door has roughly 88 to 100 beers in it. And I have an entire door for hazy IPAs, much to my dismay. But it's what sells, right? It's what people are drinking right now. We all thought it would be a phase. It's still here. Yeah, (laughs) I I am definitely not a a fan of IPAs. I kind of feel like they taste or smell and taste like feet. And I just can't, I can't do them. I, every time I, my, I, I, somebody offers me one and it's just pretty much to watch my face just go. (laughs) Right. I mean, I think one of the the benefits of hazy IPAs is that it's made a resurgence of West coast, very clean, Mm -hmm. crisp IPAs. And while I still, it's not the style that I would normally drink. I do actually enjoy tasting them because they existed when I was the brewer, when I was a brewer and, and they're cleaner. I think they're better quality of craftsmanship. Hazy IPAs allow brewers to be lazy. You don't have to make that beer bright, right? And there's a skill in making that happen in the way that you brew. Um, that being said, hazy IPAs still sell two yeah. to one to literally two to one to West Coast IPAs. And West Coast IPAs are still selling two to one to every other style in the cooler, you know? So I mean, I can, you asked, is it over, you know, overhyped? Yeah. Yeah. Does it sell? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you look at any brewery, no brewery has no IPAs on top. No. They all have at least one, maybe two. There's a brewery in town that has eight and one Pilsner. And I'm like, dude. Yeah. What am I going to drink here? (laughs) There's, there's one that, uh, that we went to months ago that actually had hopped up their Kolsch. It was like, oh, oh. I will yeah. have to say the bloggers, right? I will have to say the the rate of tiny mustaches and fedoras was quite high at that concentration of place. <sighs> we walked out. <laughs> I was like, up, oh, not my place. Bye bye. Go to the other one. There. So, so, Melissa, is there anything? One, everybody, if you get into. The West Coast, if you're allowed, if you're in the state that shall not be named and you're allowed to leave to go anywhere in the California area, where exactly is the Good Hop? So the Good Hop is located at 24th and Telegraph, on literally on the corner of 24th and Telegraph in, um, in Oakland. We're actually in a neighborhood called Kono that nobody, even people who live in Oakland know what that <laughs> neighborhood is. Um, but safe to say we're just north of Uptown. So Uptown is this cool little area in Oakland. The Fox Theater's there. People come for shows. It's a great little area, and we are two blocks north of that. So uh, I like to say that we're located in the sunny side of up north of, of downtown Oakland. Clearly, I don't say that very often. I just trip all the way through it. That's not a phrase. I'm working on it. <laughs> so now you said you have one more. Do you have another conversation series coming out or a conversation uh, event planned? Um, not necessarily the conversational one, but because of our first event where we basically just opened up a safe space for women in the industry, um, that has carried on to other locations. So there's one happening at Almanac Brewery, which is in Alameda okay. on the island of Alameda off of uh, Oakland um, at the end of September. Awesome. 
Well, I'm so glad we finally got to connect. We've been we've been playing uh, email tag, and well, apparently I've been playing email tag with your wife now. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> Tell her she does a very good impression of you. <laughs> I, she's she's killing it. I appreciate her every day. <laughs> so, and we appreciate the hell out of you, Melissa. You've done some amazing work, right, and, and we really look forward to one if we can ever leave this America's Wang and go over to visit you. And yeah. see the good hop. And okay. also, when you get your brewery, I am dying to try beers that you make. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, you, you guys are always welcome at the good hop. Please come oh, by yeah. and say hi. I only wish wonderful, awesome things for you in the future, Melissa. And, and we'll sure we'll be hearing from you again. Yeah, thank you, ladies. I It was thank great you. to chat with you. It's Honestly, it's awesome to talk to people outside of right here, right? Like, <laughs> we're all we're all in it in our own way. Like, you guys are in it in your own way and in your own state. And yeah. Um, really cool to like see these kind of conversations spread across this country and not just in your own little pocket so thank you i'm very honored that you guys uh, reached out to chat with me and and this has been a really cool conversation absolutely and follow the good hop on instagram they're amazing they always have some really great posts and and that's how I live now through, through since I can't really leave anywhere. I <laughs> just watch things you know, on Instagram. 450 bottles drink on site. I mean that's a lot of variety. Awesome. Yeah. Um it's it's pretty huge and it's nice to be back to that. So during COVID we dropped pretty pretty far below four hundred. So we're back up to four hundred and fifty plus cans and a few bottles. Um always rotating draft taps. We have in house some in house food that we're starting a new program with. Bring your own food. Come say hi to us. <laughs> Come hang out with us. We do trivia on Tuesdays for any of your pod, any of your listeners who are actually in California. <laughs> we do have a few. We do actually have a yeah, few. We actually do, yeah. Awesome. Well, if you're in California, we do trivia on Tuesdays and it's pretty kick ass. And we try and do an event once a month. So follow us. Yeah, follow us on the Good Hop, all one word, and anything Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the things. Awesome. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you so much. Thank you guys. It was really nice to talk to you. Nice to talk too. to you as well. Jamie, I love speaking to female brewers. I it's do. amazing. I do. I do. She's and so inspirational too. And like she's done so much over her, you know, years in the industry. So and kudos I, to Melissa. Ooh. And thank God she doesn't like IPAs. Someone else. Thank you. Well, yeah, I like IPAs, but it's okay. awesome. She's awesome. Yes. Yes. So as always, ladies, don't, don't fear, fear the, the beer. beer.